Motors Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, car fans. Welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield, here with our engineer and co-host, Mr. Mark Groves. Yo! And Mr. Corey Pratt of Craving Cars on YouTube. Hey! We are coming to you from Driven Radio Show's secret hidden bunker. That's my wife's dining room. (laughs) In the news, there are 28 ways you can modernize your classic car, how to get nuts and bolts, and 75 years of Hot Rod Magazine is coming out in a new book just before Christmas. Our special guest this week is Luke Channel, Associate Professor in the McPherson College Auto Restoration Program. Luke is going to be here to tell us about recent happenings at McPherson College, the Pebble Beach Mercedes Project, and a cool Bugatti that was on campus recently. Ooh, Ooh, yeah. Let's get to the news. All right, coming to us from Classic Motorsports, there's 28 ways to modernize your classic. 28 of them. 28 28. ways to love your lever. (laughs) Classic cars (laughs) come from a simpler time before hybrid drive systems, automated lift gates, and computer-controlled seat warmers. So, of course, we're able to enjoy our cars even though they they, uh, can't communicate with satellites, keep our beverages chilled, or automatically dim the rear-view mirror. That's what I like about my car. You know, I, I have to admit, driving that Nissan, even though it's a 2000, it's a 22 years old and it's it's still got some quirks that'll need to be worked out Mm -hmm. in the next few months but it's nice to be able to roll up a window yeah from the driver's seat like any window front back doesn't matter yeah Yeah. because even in my pickup truck it was like a fur reach to get over there and and if you're in traffic sucks sissy (laughs) yeah you're right no guts no glory (laughs) i remember my first couple cars uh, and there are four doors, so I have I was like, "Ooh, it's summer. It's nice out. Let's go roll the windows out." And I had to go to each door. Oh yeah, I run around, around and the car. You got to make <laughs> sure you do that before raining. you get moving. Yeah, Man, that's what I miss about my '55 Plymouth though, because it had a little lever underneath the uh, the middle um, um, the glove box, and you slid it left or right, and it would lift this little vent right in the front of the middle of the wind sh- uh, windshield. And that would suck air through there. And then you had those wing vents. You could get blown three ways to Sunday in that thing. It was wonderful. Uh, you know, Sounds the rest exciting. of it was god-awful, but <laughs> it was in a way too heavy beast. But The, the uh, red Corvette has a lever that's right underneath the dash that you push forward, and it lifts a, a big oval vent that's right in front yeah. of the windshield. The blue Corvette has two of them. One driver, one passenger. like, ooh, we got fancy. Oh. And you just pull those, and it opens up vents down by your feet. And that one also has the wing windows you're talking about. God, I love those. Those are so yeah. cool. Yeah, they make you feel good on a, on a nice day drive. Now, if you want to modernize your classic, though, you, you might be able to add some modern amenities and equipment. Air conditioning, more power under the hood, better brakes, safer tires. Power. A raft of new parts is available to make our old cars faster, safer, and more comfortable. All worthy goals in our book. Yes. Now, a few of these... Uh, possibilities are as follows. You can put superchargers. Wow. <laughs> That's getting pretty radical right Done. off the of bat, man. Done. That's it. It's all the one you need. You know, you've got radiators, which uh, uh, I believe modern radiators work better at getting rid of the heat. They do. Uh, LED tail lamps. Not a bad idea. So it doesn't suck your six volt dry. <laughs> It's true. true. And they're brighter. So far, you've... uh, Never mind. Never mind. Dirty joke. (laughs) Just keep rolling. Yes. Uh, Sound systems, which I'm going to get one even for my uh, 22-year-old Nissan. I don't blame him. Uh, Everything works on it, including the cassette deck and the five-disc CD changer. Not MP3 CDs, not WMAs. It's a CD. You've got to get... No. 
even I've gone past that. <laughs> I, I want to change out the stereo even in the 03 F-150. I want to put one of the nice touchscreen GPS and all that. Oh, nice. I, I just want one that lets me plug in a thumb drive so I can put a bazillion songs there at any Bingo. moment because my That's wife it. couldn't give a damn That's about music. I'm, not, I'm like, I'm breathing, therefore I must have music. I want to be able to run my phone through so I can use iTunes. There's 26,000 songs I own on there. <laughs> Truth. Truth that. You, uh, you can put on different brake pads, which when I was looking for my old bomber, that's what I planned on doing because yeah. a lot of those mid-60s monster Chrysler still had, you know, uh, drum brakes yeah. and all the way around. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's amazing just what a good brake pad can change. Oh, you know, dude. Like the feel. Yeah, you can stop. Yeah. It's sweet. That's always good. Fuel injection, headlights, engine coatings. What the hell? How about cool? Hell, uh, oh, hell. true, like Zyco, Zyco. Yeah. from our buds. Yeah. Uh, from, from over from, at Hushman. From Mr. Tim. McCarthy. Uh, let's see. Alternators, smart. <laughs> I'll like me the generator. Yeah. Oh, dude! I, when I when we first bought I my car, <laughs> yeah. that '55 Plymouth had to have a, our generator rewound. Yeah, we took it to a place and got it redone. Oh, wow. My dad and I did. So that uh, <laughs> I've had it done in the '60 Corvette twice since 1988. Oh, <laughs> yeah, generators, sweet. Yeah, uh, tires, wheels, shock absorbers. Yeah, ignitions and distributors. Yes, you know that's something I probably should have thought about was trying to see if there was an electronic distributor rather mm-hmm. than the uh, the one that I rebought for it. But yeah, yeah, what the hell? Uh, air conditioning, yes. yes. Now that's actually pretty cool because they've got those underdashed dealios. Well, yeah, Vintage Air is kill is just fantastic, and they're always making new stuff for more old cars. Yeah, sweet. Uh, updated gauge internals. I still want to get like a, an old bomber that's pretty much a mess and put in one of those um, LED, LED cluster Dakota gauges. Dakota Digital. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, it's flat. You can make it look like the old one or you can make it look like Star Trek. And I'll, I'm down with either. Uh, overdrive in fifth gear. Yes. Steering wheels. Yes. Huh. Well, you think about it uh, like the 63 Impala that I used to have. One of the first things I had to replace was the steering wheel because the old one was one of the old. Oh, cracked! You know, it, yeah, it was yeah, cracked chucked and out around the part, and that made a huge difference. Well, that and like that fifty-five Plymouth. Uh, when I went to buy that fifty-six mm-hmm. up in, uh, uh, no, it was a fifty-five that was up near Milwaukee, and it ended up being a complete rust box. <laughs> yeah, well, um, it's because a preacher had it. That was <laughs> the one thing I hadn't realized in a long time. When I drove that fifty-five Plymouth as a kid, I was a slim kid. Yeah, I got behind the wheel of that, and I'm like, wow, that's, yeah. a, that's a belly massage every time I want to turn it, because that steering wheel's like from a ship, you know? Um, noise and heat barriers, yay. Uh, wide band oxygen sensors. Tells you what's going on with your air fuel mixture downstream. Oh. Let you adjust things, you know, fix the carburetor, that sort of stuff. And I used to just reach in there with a flathead. And just listen. No, that's the wrong direction. Yeah, Yeah, well, the sensor might have a better idea than you did. You you think? (laughs) Uh, You can put in different seats. Yes. uh, Gear reduction starters. I don't even know what that is. What is it? It's a starter where its gear's been reduced. You're as stupid as I am. (laughs) Brett? (laughs) Both of you, really. I really Uh, really don't know. Spin the engine faster to get it started more easily. Oh, oh, smart. Okay. Updated and cross-flow heads. Yes, all of the above. So there you go. There's 28 of them. 28 things got, you can do for your, your Ulster. You, you know, this, this article was really long, and I had to trim it down when I found it. And these guys kept going back and referring to old MGs for a lot of this stuff. And uh, I think wow, it sounds like there's a lot of ways to make your old MG run. Else. Oh, yeah. Old MGs better. Yeah. <laughs> sure sounds like there's a, a lot of ways to make the old MGs run less like old MGs. Well, probably. Sounds uh, like it. 
less of that cloth wrapped wire. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, again, we got to go back to all the British car jokes. Why don't the Brits make TVs? Can't figure out how to get them to leak oil. Uh, and I'll say it now, since I more or less quote unquote engineered the show, I did cut out that joke I did in our, our uh, last show because uh, we were talking to the British guy from, mm-hmm. uh, uh, from yeah, what was it, well. NC1. Or, and, uh, Super nice fella, but when I dropped that little thing, and oh, I, I thought the other thing that you, you yeah, were well, embarrassed by was uh, trying to fix your MG's uh, wiring, <laughs> and I was the only one that laughed, and I'm like, you know, I think that's going to hit the cutting floor. Uh, <laughs> Everybody else was like, oh, oh, shit. These things do happen. <laughs> it does. I think I'm funny. From MotorTrend.com, I couldn't believe this story. It was too tough to pass up, and it's, again, it's how you get your nuts and bolts. Uh <laughs> Iridian electric pickup powers of vasectomy during an outage. Oh, this makes me so happy. I see the future of, of electric of, vehicles. Of, of Rivian, at least. Man. Proof. Proof. Man. <laughs> it, it, I'm not sure this is a story I want to brag about. <laughs> no. All right. Oh, oh, wait. Wait, there's more. But wait. <laughs> Picture this. You're in a doctor's office having a procedure done to take the bullets out of your pistol, okay? Right, right. Right in the middle of said procedure, the power goes out. What are you going to do? <laughs> a patient in Austin, Texas, recently found himself in just such a situation. Oh, my God. Luckily, his urologist, Dr. Chris Yang. That is unfortunate. Owns mm. a Rivian R1T electric pickup. Dr. Yang. Dr. Yang. You, you can't make this stuff up. Call it Dr. Yang. Ran a cord outside, used the Rivi- the R1T's two 120-volt outlets, each that provides 1,500 watts of power, to power North Austin Urology's 400-watt electrocauterizer. Luckily, they had 900 feet of extension cord to get it up to that window. It was a big, long cord. You should have seen it. Holy (laughs) cow. He was able to complete the procedure, and the patient went home for a weekend on the couch with a bag of frozen peas. There's a guy in an office who who just said, there is no God. If the power went out, it's like, nope, i got to keep the boys. Sorry, honey. And then, hang on, I've got my truck. What? Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. And then Dr. Yang so said. So Dr. Yang says, <laughs> ain't nothing wrong there. <laughs> oh, God. I knew this was going to go off the rails, and that's why I picked it out. I, I have a feeling the uh, the outage wasn't, uh, wasn't entirely natural. I don't think the guy wanted to go through the procedure. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was a setup. Was there a he coup. was peeing into an outlet. Uh, <laughs> the power went. The power went out. I'm okay, right? right. No, wait a second, <laughs> says Doctor Yang. Yang. I can <laughs> run a cord out to my truck, and the guy says, "You um, gotta be yanking me, man." <laughs> hey, oh, uh, a long way to go. Definitely Not until the weekend's over. Sure. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, bless your heart. Congratulations. Uh, so one Rivian pickup and an extension cord later, and my man is at home with a bag of it frozen. <laughs> Had a mommy on him. <laughs> Another one from Motor Trend here. Uh, the uh, read the definitive history of Hot Rod in a new book, Hot Rod Magazine, seventy five years. It's tough uh, to believe they've been around for seventy five years. That's what I was kind of saying when I was looking at this. I was like, I cannot believe January of nineteen forty eight marked the very first issue of Hot Rod Magazine. I had no idea that they were around that long. I knew they were around a long time. Don't get me wrong. I'm thinking maybe they came out in the sixties, not nineteen forty eight. These guys almost predate my dad. What's so cool is, you know, those early ones had to start with flatheads. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're souping up flatheads? And and belly tank roadsters that made the bodies from bomber planes belly tanks. Oh, God. And stuff like that. I mean, we're really 
we're really stepping back. So since 1948, from that January, from when they released that first issue, cards would never be the same. The culture would never be the same. The hobby would never be the same. The magazine industry, why they were still around, would never be the same. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Robert Peterson, for your vision. That's yeah, right. amen. And now here we are, 75 years later. If you are thinking uh, there should be a book about Hot Rod's history, well, there is. It's coming out here real soon. Hot Rod Magazine, 75 Years by author Drew Hardin. It will be available December 20th on both online and bookstores. Each chapter of the official licensed book explores a different decade of the magazine's featured cars, customizers, builders, technical milestones, including the first small block Chevy, first LS, testing the, the mystery motor 427 and the oh. junkyard jewel projects. It's got a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, it does. The book also includes interviews with legend after legend, the Hot Rod staffers, and the foreword written by David Freiberger. Ah, infamous. Yeah. Famous and infamous. Yay, David. Well, uh, and the uh, the fearless leader that is one half of the Roadkill crew. You know, it, it was funny watching Roadkill. I wasn't so sure about it. I was like, oh, he's just kind of a you know an announcer guy. But then he yeah, started no. talking the real deal, no. and it's like this guy's <laughs> no. getting elbows deep. Yeah. I'm like, oh, damn. Freiberger oh, yeah. is a walking encyclopedia. Of, he's got me so smoked it isn't even funny. Yeah. Yeah, he's a smart dude. He so, is. There you go. So December 20th, uh, tune in for more than 200 pages and 300 plus black and white and colored photos. Nice. Uh, the article here uh, does have a lengthy interview of the author, yeah, it, Drew Hardin. It really does. This, staff, this was so. a super long article, and I crawled down a rabbit hole with it. <laughs> but check it out, though. I mean, well worth the read. Yeah, and, it, uh, it very much is. That's a book I will be getting for myself. I bet that sucker is as expensive as it can be. I don't care. Merry Christmas to me. That yeah, either it. way, oh, Merry, Merry Christmas. And uh, congratulations to Hot Rod Magazine for 75, 75 years. 75 years yeah. coming up in January. That's extraordinary stuff. Our special guest this week is Luke Chennel, associate professor in the McPherson College Auto Restoration Program. Luke is going to be here in just a minute to tell us about recent happenings at McPherson, the Pebble Beach Mercedes Project, and a very cool Bugatti that was recently on campus. Oh. All that and much more is coming up next on Drift. Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio World Headquarters. Our special guest this week is Luke Chennel, Associate Professor in the McPherson College Auto Restoration Program and fa famous Bradley GT monger. He also hosts the legendary After Cars Show Barbecue at McPherson, at which sweaty auto journalists can be found cooking sausages. Luke, welcome back to Driven Radio. I'm glad to be here. The last time I saw you, you were knee-deep in sausage. Uh, that's true. And I I have been re doing some research. I think I have a modified uh, cooking technique to use this year. Uh, Going to involve some uh, big skewers, and I think I can cook all those sausages at once. Glad you've been doing your sausage research. Knee-deep, knee just <laughs> investigating my sausage. You going to be okay there, sunshine? You need to take a powder? I never thought I'd hear you say something like that out loud. <laughs> I'm going to put that on a loop and make it my ringtone. We are both perfectly willing to uh, go dark and dirty at a drop of a hat. Uh, Luke, 
do not stop being late. Yeah, that's why we love you. School's back in swing, and you've had a couple of weeks to take a look at all the bright and shiny new faces in your classes. What are you t- teaching this semester, and uh, any cool stuff going on yet? Oh, I'm teaching my usual run of courses, which is uh, drivetrain and chassis, and then uh, also teaching material science, which is fun. Uh, it's kind of the how-it's-made class. So today I did my mind-blowing lecture on the iron carbon phase diagram and <laughs> melted all their little minds. Um, <laughs> I, I go into that telling them this is the most important lecture you can ever take in college, you'll ever receive in college. At the end of it, they kind of agree. So, um, now, is that for yeah. welding or rust or what? What is for it? Everything. It, ah. it, it, it explains everything. The universal diagram. It is, it is the most important one. That's why she doesn't love me. It's that it's carbon metal thing. That okay, will not done. be a Nailed more important it. lecture, apparently. You should have listened yeah. better. Yeah, I think I should have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, cool. Yeah, for, forget all that philosophy and English and history. And, you yeah, know, sure. who really cares about, like, Kant or, you <laughs> know, John Steinbeck. Like, iron carbon phase diagram. That's where it's at. By God. So, well, you know, if it was good God. enough for Conan in the good first movie, it's good enough for me. What is best in life? Yeah, Luke, what is the truth yeah. of steel? The Luke's lecture. Oh, iron. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hear the lamentation of the four-cylinder. <laughs> We're working on some good stuff. So uh, I've got everything from a 1921 Oldsmobile up to Studebaker Avanti, um, supercharged Avanti, Dave Ken- one of Dave Kinney's ex-cars, actually. Very oh, cool. wow. uh, I remember that car. Yeah, good car. I'm going to be in a supercharged Avanti this uh, weekend. Couple, nice. A couple Packards. Just a little bit of everything. So we're good. We're doing nice. awesome. I think you're uh, you're starting to go down the checklist for Mark. He's sitting yeah. in his own sauce. I'm like, hang on. You said the P word, Packard. Packard. I love me some Packards. That's one of my dream cars is like a very, very late 30s, early 40s Packard uh, convertible. And I want a bright canary yellow and with big... Stupid white walls on it, and just mm. three on the tree. That thing right down the road. It's nothing stupid about white walls. Nothing. Well, I had a uh, uh, just as a Is side note a because word? I seem to be very chatty tonight. Um, I'm sorry. What? I had an English teacher who was just the coolest guy ever in high school. Well, the coolest guy for Branson, Missouri. I mean, come on. But uh, he, isn't that he, like being the sharpest kid on the short bus? Well, he was one of these dudes that he, he would almost smoke in class. He was always smoking when he came in. All you smelled was like cigarettes. But he really knew uh, uh, English. And uh, he he owned a uh, a Packard, and it was like a ni- I think it was a 1940. And he said when he was a teenager, uh, they would drive down the road, be flying down the road, go okay, ready, take it, clutch in, drop it into reverse, and then punch it and go woo 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 woo, and then woo, keep going. And he somehow did not tear the uh, uh, transmission completely out of it, which mm. I was like, that's a testament. Is that even possible? I doubt it. So I have a question for you. You're about to break uh, my entire childhood. <laughs> yeah. So so this guy, I'm really curious, since he was from Branson and he was an English teacher, I, I've always wondered this. What is the correct – What? tell me, tell me. I'm really serious. What is the correct pronunciation of golly? Well, you you were pretty close. <laughs> was pretty much you, uh, you kind of have to have a more of an umlaut over the O. <laughs> You had a little golly. Gummer. You had it's, a little gummer pile in there, didn't you? You know, it, it, think of yourself as clearing your throat of anything smart. <laughs> and golly. So, you know, mm. you're there. You're very close, though, and I think you should be proud in a weird and painful way. 
So I'm imagining that's what he said when he sent the Packer cascading across the road. <laughs> he had one of those little goatees with the little kind of pointy beard on. I mean, he, he had the he had the full thing going on. And mm. uh, and sometimes he would smell a little bit like alcohol, so maybe I should have taken his stories in mm. a little bit more of a, uh, a grain of salt. I had a senior English teacher whose name I will leave out of the show uh, because he came from a town not too far from Mr. Chennel. Uh, yeah, we'll just skip, leave it at that. But there's a there was a pretty healthy rumor that he his firm was, was full of uh, absolute. Oh yes, yeah, I wouldn't be. Uh, that's back when the teacher's lounge was a lounge. Yeah, you know. Uh, well, <laughs> I, he was a brilliant man, and he had to put up with us. And I'm thinking that's why that thermos was full of absolute. Dude, teacher's lounge always smelled like a stripper bar in a bad part of town. <laughs> It did, my, uh, always. Coffee, are, cigarettes, perfume, and desperation. How do you up. know, sir? It's a guess. <laughs> one, of my, uh, one of my high school English teachers when Zima first came out. Oh, God. Dating oh, myself a little bit here. So nobody really knew what Zima was. She'd just straight up drink Zima in class. Wow! It's 7-Up for tired teachers. You're damn right. I feel sprightly right now. <laughs> this is how I put up with you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, All about right. your teaching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. Let's just turn it back around. Oh, that crap. <laughs> the last time I saw Luke was at, at the uh, post- car show cookout at his house last jeez uh, may god that's been a long time uh at that show richard and melanie lundquist made an incredibly generous donation to the college nice. and, and a, a couple of them so first of all can you talk about the four-wheeled one and then secondly uh the other donation that it was out of this world Sure. Uh, so the first of those, the four-wheeled one, which we all know is the important one, right? Yes. Uh, they were generous enough to give us a 1972 Ferrari 365 GTB4, also known as a Daytona. Mm. Uh, mm. Really nice car that Richard bought new uh, in Los Angeles. Oh, he bought that drove new? For a, I didn't know that. He, yeah, he did. He bought that new and uh, drove it for a number of years uh, and then had parked it. It had been parked for maybe about 10 years, so we're going to recommission it, get it going again, do and, things with it and have all kinds of Ferrari fun. I, I'm personally lobbying for a cannonball run reenactment, but I don't know if I'm going to get that or not. <laughs> uh, and what's really fortunate for you is I know all the guys who do those. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. Uh, so then they also really uh, surprised us, Lundquist did, uh, on commencement morning. Uh, we uh, honored them, honored Melanie uh, in particular, with an honorary doctorate. And she was generous enough to announce at the same time uh, that uh, they would be giving us $25 million for the college. And that's for the college as a whole. Wow. Uh, yeah. Which would put up, help in large part to put up a nice, shiny new campus center, also known as a student union, uh, where we can all go talk cars and eat food. Nice. So, Incredibly awesome. generous of them. It very much was. Very much was. We're very appreciative of that. Also during the car show weekend... Uh, the college recognized another very important contributor and supporter of the restoration program by dedicating a new wing in the library to him. Tell us who that was and talk a little bit about that new wing. Sure. Um, so one of my, I've been here 20 some years total between being a student and faculty member 
and one of my long-term goals, and several of us have shared that, is to, to create really a world-class automotive research library, uh, the likes of which are seen, you know, the likes of which are probably comparable to Detroit, uh, perhaps some holdings in Los Angeles, maybe it's Peterson, uh, but to really just build that major collection. So we've, we've done pretty well over the years of doing that. We have runs of virtually every automotive period, periodical uh, and about 3,500 to 4,000 books. Uh, and so uh, we received some generous donations, and one of those donations went to dedicate a wing of the library to Paul Russell, a uh, noted restorer from Massachusetts. And so we now have the collection all shelved together, a uh, really nice reading research area, reference area, uh, and had a really, really nice dedication and ceremony for that. So we've been working at populating more and more of that, uh, that area with automotive materials, and I see students up there all the time you know, looking at brochures and reading automotive books, magazines, and this kind of stuff. So that has been just so wonderful. And uh, at the ceremony, it actually almost made me tear up. I just wanted that for so long. I so would drive really, down just to hang out in the library. I would recommend it. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> you can just sleep in there if you want. I don't think they kick you out. So. I got a sleeping bag and a pillow. I'm good. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. So... so. You've had an ongoing project that uh, the students there are preparing for Pebble Beach. Uh, can you, uh, for the uninitiated, tell them about the car and where are you as far as the, the car is concerned, what's finished, what is unfinished, and will it be ready for Pebble next year? Uh, yeah, so we are working, have been working for many years now on a 1953 Mercedes 300S Cabriolet, uh, so convertible with roll-up windows one of roughly 150 built uh, cost new was well over somewhere in the neighborhood of $14,000 in 1953 uh, for reference, the top of the line Cadillac and Eldorado Brome in 1958 cost 10,000. Yes. So mm. very expensive hand-built car. Uh, we uh, also very well performing car, essentially a gull wing without some of the gull wing features. Um, so we've been working on, we received that car from a doctor in uh, Cincinnati and have been working on restoring that car uh, for the past roughly six, seven years. And it's been going well. Uh, we did, you know, ground up, took the car down to bare metal, bare, bare metal. Um, of course, found more rust than we expected and fixed all that and then have rebuilt every single component on it from the ground up. So this summer, um, so I should mention that all of this has been going on outside of class. So our students have been uh, taking basically their free time to spend working on this car um, to get it ready to compete at Pebble Beach. We're hoping next next fall. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So this summer uh, we had a couple guys who really did some internships and learned to really, really paint well. The car is black which if you've ever painted a car or detailed a car, you will know is the absolute hardest color to get right because it shows every single flaw. Yes. Uh, so they shot it and polished it out this summer. And I have looked it over and over and over and I cannot find a ripple in it. I mean, it is wow. perfect. Fantastic. Perfect. Really cool. So one of them was, he was looking at it with me and he says, I think we need to repaint the hood. There's this issue in it. And I looked at the same spot he was looking at, and I could not find it. Wow. So, <laughs> wow. I mean, it's just, 
it's very remarkable to see. Um, so the process right now is, is underway is to fit. We've had all the chrome, uh, you know, moldings and everything stripped. And so we're carefully fitting everything to the finished paintwork so that it will match perfectly. Uh, it will then go back out to be plated, uh, get the final chrome plating on it, get put back on the car, and then the interior goes in. And it'll be pretty darn close to ready. So, Do you think that that will uh, all come together weeks before, months before, just before? Do you have any way um, of knowing? It, it can be so variable. You know, you always budget extra time, and it seems like you always need the extra time. Um, we... I think at some point had thought a couple years back we might be done a year early, and that turned out not to be true. Mm. Uh, COVID certainly didn't help with that. No. Um, yeah. Uh, and so if I were if I were betting right now, I would bet we'll be ready pretty much by the summer. But I did, I don't I have no way of knowing at this point. The one absolute is that it will be done. I mean, it just will get done one way or the other, uh, even if it means you know a week of staying up all night to get the last little bits finished up. I'm excited so to see it. Yeah, it'll be, it should be looking really, really gorgeous at this year's car show. So that's my hope. Alrighty. You had a super cool Bugatti on campus recently and, uh, just tell us what it was and why it was there. Uh, so we were, I was fortunate. I've been fortunate enough over the past few years to kind of get, to build a relationship with the American Bugatti club. And uh, so one of the members was coming through with his car on the way to an event that I'm going to this weekend um, and offered to stop by. And so he brought his 1913 type 22 Bugatti uh, to campus. So to give you some context, a Torres started out his own in his own company in about 1910. Any of the pre-World War One Bugattis are incredibly rare, uh, incredibly unusual. This particular car was the oldest one in North America. Oh. Um, and so uh, this club member bought it in 2016, uh, did a ground-up restoration on his own, spent about 3,500 hours working on it. Um, and has been, he's been taking it out and touring it and racing it. So one of the things That's I love so about vintage Bugattis is that the guys love to drive them, and they That's... do. Uh, so he's got yeah, about 15,000 miles on it. I've seen him on the track. It's it's a slow car, but it's pretty fun to watch. That's incredible. And what's that the event awesome. you're going to? So the event this weekend uh, at Watkins Glen in upstate New York is a the Watkins Glen Historics. Uh, so they'll do a couple things that'll be pretty awesome. One of those is a reenactment of the original road course. So vintage cars will race on the circa 1948 course through the streets of Watkins Glen. Um, so they'll put up all the hay bales and armbands and all this on the workers and all this stuff run people through. Um, so I plan to have a very nice hay bale staked out somewhere. Um, <laughs> and then in conjunction with that, uh, the club, the Bugatti club is holding the 11th Bugatti Grand Prix, uh, which has been held since the 1980s. It's a reenactment of the original, uh, original Bugatti Grand Prix, which were used as kind of a sales device, a way to, for uh, owners to test drive their cars on the track and see what kind of performance they could really do. Um, it's a very special event because those are only held roughly every four to five years. Uh, so I was at the last one in 2018 at Lime Rock, and it was just—it's just an 
absolutely incredible event. You stand in the paddock, and all of these, you know, vintage Bugattis are firing up, and some of them are run on methanol. And oh, it just mm. feels like 1926. It's incredible. <laughs> that sounds like it's right up your alley. Yeah, I love pre-war cars. I love all things pre-war car. And Bugattis are just so fascinating because they're constructed so differently. They have really, really exquisite mechanical detailing and just are thought out engineering-wise to the nth degree. So just to I mean to, to stand and look at one and see you know all the working bits and all this stuff is, is really cool. But then when you get to talk to the people who keep them running, drive them constantly, you know, break the car, as one owner put it to me, or put it in something I was reading, not necessarily to me, but he said the Bugatti ownership is periods of long maintenance punctuated by bursts of exuberance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's most of, most of my machinery, too. So yeah, I, I, I'm sympathetic. I think I can relate. So I usually, if it's been long enough, I'll pester you for the uh, – for the uh, Bell's Palsy Pirate story, which still makes me laugh, oh. but I think I've made you tell it too many times here. What's the funniest car-related story you have of late? Um, you know, my so my wife and I bought a boat. This isn't car-related, but it's close enough. So we it's kind of mechanically to, related. Yeah, there you go. Mechanically related. It's got a V six. It's got a four point three V six engine. It's it's an S ten on the water. Okay. So <laughs> we'll call it that. So, uh, so but we're driving down the road last summer. So famously, I, I did exactly the way you, if you ever want to have this experience, you need to do it the way I did it. I sank someone else's boat. <laughs> so I would hide. I, I seem to remember yet, those would, pictures. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't tried it yet, I would highly recommend sinking a boat that's not yours. That's the best way to go about that. So after that, we had to like avenge the sinking of the boat, right? So now we're driving down the road, and every boat we see, we're turning our heads and looking and all this stuff. So one day, my son Leo, who was three at the time, and I are driving down the road, and he says, I like that blue boat. And I said, boy, that's a good-looking blue boat. And so we pulled over, and I bought the boat for Leo. So, like, that's been our boat. so, so that's been our boat for the last summer. Uh, and so I spent the winter kind of going through all the mechanical systems and making it work and all this stuff. Um, Suffice to say, there have been a number of, uh, shall we say, incidents over the summer uh, mm -hmm. that have been been quite fascinating. Um, <laughs> quite fascinating and good stories. So we were down at Lake of the Ozarks this weekend. Much might appreciate that, Mark. Uh, <laughs> where, by the way, a 20-foot bow rider boat is, like, way out class. It's a and dinghy. A, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like being in the movie a perfect storm like i'm out there climbing waves and crying <laughs> for mercy while all the yachts go around but the funny part actually happened when we were pulling putting the boat in the water so we pull up and there's this guy ron and so ron uh is this genial genial old lake of the ozarks type mm. um and so he says oh yeah you can use my boat launch for 10 bucks so we give him the 10 for in, 10 for out, 20, you know, and uh, gives us the key. Well, we head down the hill, and this Lake of the Ozarks Road was not wide enough, barely, for our Toyota Highlander that I was pulling the boat with, much less the boat trailer. So he says, you go right. Well, I come to this fork in the road, and there are about three different ways you can go. So I turn what I thought was right 
And it turns out that it was not Ron's version of right in that I ran the boat trailer into the uh, into the ditch and then struck the end of a culvert and destroyed the tire on the trailer. Oh, no. So being a a single single axle trailer, I was then stuck trying to figure out how to get this out. So um, I get out the scissor jack from the Toyota, you know, and I'm cranking up on the scissor jack and I got all this stuff, you know, half turn at a time. So 20 minutes later, I've got the boat tra- trailer in the air, and I carefully, carefully, carefully pull the Toyota forward, and the thing rolls off the jack, and the wheel rolls back onto above the culvert, and thank God I got the tire changed. Well, then, the brakes on the Toyota weren't quite enough to hold the whole boat and trailer going down the hill. Oh, no. So I skidded that damn boat all the way down to the boat ramp, um, and fortunately not into the lake. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> it, was, it was pretty hairy. Um, so yes, got the boat in the water, had a good weekend. And then that Toyota did every, fortunately all wheel drive, did every last bit. And I'm talking like the traction control was going wheel by wheel to find the one that could (laughs) grip to get it back up the hill. We pulled out of there and I was so happy. Um, I should mention that Ron had two trucks. He had what he called his little truck, which was about a, I don't know about a, 82 or 83 square body Chevy that was all, you know, hammered up and beat, beat up with a flatbed on it. And then his so-called big truck, which was a, uh, about a 78 Ford four wheel drive that he had scabbed on several different trailer balls and hitches and hooks <laughs> and had like several engines, junk engines in the bed for ballast. It was quite the sight. <laughs> so I'm really glad we did not require his assistance. That was my most recent hilarious experience. So for years and years and years, my folks have had boats and for a long time, they had a place down at Lake of the Ozarks, had a condo down there. And I wound up owning boats as a result. And I had a a 22 foot crown line out open bow that I've, you know, you pick your times to be out on Lake of the Ozarks you get up real early in the morning before everybody else is out and you go find a cove and you water ski in it and you ride the tube and all that stuff. And then you either hang out all day or you get your butt back home and getting home is going to be an adventure. And you can go out late, late in the afternoon if you want to and do that. One morning I'm up really early and our place was on the 22-mile marker on the main channel, so you heard all the boat traffic and the big boys with the offshore racers ripping back and forth. And I looked down from our deck, and in this little cove where our, our condo is, there are three girls in a jet boat. Uh, and I mean 70s painted, you know, big metal, metal flake, sits 18 inches out of the water, jet boat. And what they're doing is they're standing on the throttle and standing the bow of the boat up real high and then getting off the gas and letting the wave from behind push them forward and they're laughing and they think this is great. And I sit on the deck for a while and I watch them until they get the the water churned up enough in this cove that the waves are a lot taller than the sides of that boat and they finally stand on it once and stand it up and then get off the throttle and the wave comes from behind and it fills that thing with water and they sunk it right there. Oh, 
And oh. when that boat sunk, none of them had life vests on. The life vest kind of floated around, and a bunch of empty beer bottles. That would have been fun to try and explain to Missouri Water Patrol. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I felt bad for him, but, you know, dumb is dumb. <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> and day was dumb. <laughs> so, but, but uh, we've, uh, we've experienced a blowout on a boat trailer before, uh, dragging a boat back from Clinton Lake. We left a 14-mile skid mark on it. The tire finally gave up. Uh, I've, I've experienced most of what you're talking about and I feel for you, (laughs) (laughs) Luke, as always, it's great to have you on. I appreciate it. We've been speaking with McPherson college auto restoration program, associate professor, Luke channel. You can find all the social media links and websites for Luke McPherson college and the restoration program on driven radio show.com. As always great to see you. It's been too long. When are you coming up for Q? hopefully soon thanks so much for spending time with driven radio we love what we do and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners you can find us online at drivenradioshow.com and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at driven radio show and listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard i am brett hatfield for Corey pratt yep. and mark grove yep. thank you for listening and we'll see you next time here on driven radio 